Hi, welcome to This is a, a Wonderful Place to Live uh, for the Holidays. Ah, it's the most wonderful place to live. So happy holidays, or should I say Merry Christmas, because it is called Merry... Christmas after all. It is called Christmas. Mm. As we have just been told. Yes. <laughs> this just in, it is called Christmas. Mm -hmm. And you can say that. You can say that. You can According say Christmas, you know. to Matt Moore. Matt Moore said that. I thought his name was Jack. No, the actor is named Matt Moore. Oh, okay, gotcha. That makes more sense. It makes more sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, well, moving right past that. Um... Um, as you have read in the title, for this episode, we decided to get a little bit festive. We decided, let's spread some holiday cheer in the form of a Christmas classic that everyone, I'm sure it's part of everyone's Christmas traditions. Yes, we were talking about Homeless for the Holidays, mm -hmm. which really should be called um, Conservative <laughs> uh, with Terrible Fiscal uh, Priorities, loses his money and stays in his house over the holidays. This movie is propaganda, really. <laughs> I was not expecting it to be as um, awful as it was, um, and I, yet so good. And I said right before we started, on every level, this movie is bad. And was I wrong? Oh, no. No, no. You were not. It truly seems like someone tried to make a movie where they, where they knew what the right things to do were, but then they're like, what if we did the opposite? <laughs> It was like a social experiment. They're like, what if we'd made the worst movie we possibly could? But, yeah. but it never works out as bad when people are intentionally trying to go for like a campy movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they had been going for that, I feel like it would have been less enjoyable and better. But as it is, it's worse and really, really enjoyable. It's one in a million. It's a fluke, you know? I do feel like it's important to mention that this movie came out in 2009. Uh, and it really, really, <laughs> really likes to rub in that it came out in 2009. Um, oh, whatever do you mean, John? Oh, it doesn't seem like at all that it's a product of its time. Oh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound. Uh, it doesn't seem like it. No, <laughs> no. It's not like they they rub it in your face that 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 the job market is crashing. What? Of course not. Not in this economy. <laughs> not in this economy. They couldn't afford to make that joke in this economy. Uh, so, yes, this 2009 classic, uh, directed by none other than the famous George A. Johnson. George A. Johnson. George A. Johnson Company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Famous for nothing else. Uh, he has directed a movie called Thy Neighbor. I don't know what it's about. Um, another movie, Do You Believe? No. Well, I think it was rhetorical, John. Um, he Well, actually, he's not the director in that. He plays a homeless man in the movie, Do You Believe? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misspoke. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Two Steps from Hope. Which, of all of his movies, has the best poster, I will say. Yeah, it doesn't look so bad. I mean... I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's terrible, I, but the poster's not 
The whoever they had designed the poster did a fine job. The other ones posters are atrocious. They're <laughs> painful to look at. Yes, that's very true. I would log this on my letterbox, but it would I'd have to like see it if I went to my letterbox page for a little while, and I don't want to see this poster. <laughs> that's kind of Yeah, that's fair. It's a terrible poster. <laughs> um I am going to log it, but that's because I've never seen it before today. So, yeah. Oh, yes. This was my first time watching this movie, by the way. I have <clears> seen <throat> it four times now. I saw it once with my family um, because my mom had gotten it from the library and she said, this looks fun. And boy, was she wrong. Well, she was right. No, she was right. <laughs> She's, that's, the right that's the right word for this. It, it was fun. And my mother, who is, I would say... The target demographic for this movie. We were all laughing at this movie. None of us were laughing with it. It was a good family time, and we enjoyed laughing at this movie together. Truly what the holidays are about. Um, <laughs> then uh, I watched it a couple more times with other people, and then I watched it today with John. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> As I was doing the research for this episode, and by that I mean going to Wikipedia and IMDb, I started reading about the director, and everything on his IMDb page seems like it was written by him. I am certain that it was. <laughs> uh, well, at least the few things I've looked at are credited to him. Oh, they are. As the writer. Anyway, okay. <laughs> on the director on IMDb, it says... George A. Johnson began filmmaking at an unusually young age. As a three-year-old, he would create stories with toy action figures and act them out, positioning various characters throughout the room. Rather than playing along, Johnson's childhood friends would often prefer to watch and see how these stories would unfold. That's just not filmmaking. They're that's like, no. That's just how you play with toys. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely he wrote this bio, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, he totally wrote this bio. We we agree on that. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and he was like, "I always knew I'd be a director from when I was playing with those action figures. My mm. friends, they saw it too." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone around me knew I was going to be a director. <laughs> they were like, "By the way, he plays with those action figures. You can tell he's a visionary." <laughs> oh gosh, this guy sucks. Anyway, I'm sorry. His nickname is Sven? Hang on. Oh, what the fuck? You beat me to it. I wanted to bring that I'm up. I'm sorry. His um, name is George A. Johnson and his nickname is Sven. What the fuck? <laughs> who? 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 Um, don't know. That, that, where did that come from? Also, he has to have given himself that nickname, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, guys, George A. Johnson doesn't fit my vibe. Call me Sven. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude Imagine Like if you knew someone who was actually named Sven I don't think Like they'd have nicknames and stuff Where they wouldn't end up being called Sven Well I guess the only Sven I can think of is like Sven from Frozen And Sven Johnson Yeah, yeah Sven Johnson goes by Sven though, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what, you made a gasp. What was... Oh, no. I I saw a, a title that I thought I recognized, but I did not. Okay. 
in the trivia about George A. Johnson. Oh boy. So, so much good stuff. <laughs> oh, he wrote these about himself. Oh my gosh. Definitely. He had to have written these. Uh, <laughs> trivia about George A. Johnson. <laughs> he said, George A. Johnson is a fan of the Detroit Red Wings and the Fort Wayne Comets. Cool. <laughs> I don't see that one. <laughs> Penned his first script at age seven. I think it was this one. He was really concerned about the economy. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? Penned your first script at age seven. I don't know what they consider a script. Because depending Cause, on the definitions, so did I. Uh, I. Well, I mean, playing with action figures is filmmaking... Penning a script is like scribbling. I don't know. <laughs> I wrote words in a book. They're like, oh, he learned to write. He's just truly a screenwriter. <laughs> uh, does, that, does that make everyone who's ever made an Imagine on Tumblr a screenwriter? I think so. They wrote scripts. One person says one thing and then the other person says the other. So it's a script. So they're, they're, they're directors now. Uh, if you've ever filled out a Mad Libs, you're actually like credited in, in uh, movies. Whoa. <laughs> Fun fact. Yeah. Um, also here, uh, tried out for a professional hockey team, parentheses, RHI, close parentheses, in 1996, was called back for a second tryout was unable to attend due to a health concern. What a humble brag. What kind of trivia is that? <laughs> no, no, no. I love that he, he wrote this, right? So he's like, listen, I was good enough. They called me back for a second tryout. They really wanted me, but I couldn't go because I had a health concern. <laughs> I just have to say, the way that these trivia like things are written is exactly how the movie is written. Yeah. Like the backstory he gives every character, despite the fact that they will never come back, is exactly this this style of writing. Like the, the like the car salesman just giving unnecessary dialogue about. Yeah, I really screwed over that eighty-seven-year-old widow. Yeah, yeah. It's just. <laughs> it's like that's the kind of un unnecessary information that this is. I tried out for a hockey team once. It was uh, a professional hockey team, and I did get a call back, but I had an un, uh, a health concern, and I couldn't go. Vague health concern. Uh, what? Don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> it was gruesome. Unimportant. Um, really. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But you do need to know that an 83-year-old widow bought a car that didn't start. This one, longest fact, I'll, I'll say, and he's really bragging here. <laughs> Started lifting weights at age 17 and excelled quickly. At 18, he was bench pressing 315 pounds and set the school record for shoulder shrug at 615 pounds. At age 19, he was training for the Olympics with eight-time national champion and three-time Olympian Fred Lowe. He later gave up weightlifting to make time for family and filmmaking. Okay, but I have seen him. 
He's the dude in that one scene, right? Uh-huh. In the bathroom scene uh-huh. that makes fun of him for wearing a penguin costume. Yes. For no reason at all. Uh, he's not buff. He, well, he just likes you to know that back in high school, he was setting records. Um, yeah, it's very much a weird brag. He's like, guess what? In high school, I was buff. And then, As an 18-year-old, I could lift 600 pounds. Okay, who cares? <laughs> I mean, seriously, and what then, the fuck does that have to do with his filmmaking? And he has it, like, phrased, like, a little bit of a brag that he was training for the Olympics. Anyone can train for the Olympics. <laughs> I right? could say, ah, oh, I'm training for the Olympics. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Well, I know people who trained for ice skating in the Olympics, but they didn't even come close to making it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. This is listed under trivia, uh, currently writing and scheduled to direct The Comet, set to be released in theaters in 2007. And then in brackets, January 2006. <laughs> oh, boy. I would like to make note that that is not on his IMDb history. <laughs> it was scheduled... <laughs> wonder what happened. And it's comets with a K, um, which suggests that it has to do with the Fort Wayne comets, of which he is a fan. What are the Fort Wayne? Oh, 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 yes. Yeah, the, the team? Uh, I don't know. Is that a team? It's in his trivia. I don't know what the Fort Wayne comets are. Do I look like a comet head? I don't know. I don't know. No. Oh, that's probably what he won for. He directed a Doritos commercial. Yeah, it was a Super Bowl one, too. Mm-hmm. That's probably what he his award is from. Oh, yeah. Uh, he won an Emmy. Um, so then it's posted on, like, it's his profile picture on everything. Uh, like, like all the things that I can find on, like, his IMDb page, like, on his, uh, like, his Google result, the first one that comes up. Um and it makes him look much more legitimate than he actually is. <laughs> it's like, oh, this guy won an Emmy. Ooh, bet he's got some good movies under his belt, too. Nope, it was a commercial. <laughs> we assume. I, I can't find anywhere that actually says what the award is for. But it's got least, to be uh, for a commercial because... We, we don't know that he's won it. Maybe he just held it. Why, why would he be there? At all. They're like, we're going to get George, a Johnson, to present the Emmy this year. They're like, who's that guy? I don't know. He directed a a Dorito commercial. (laughs) I don't know. He's a Johnson. (laughs) Another piece of trivia. Finished writing the script for the comedy feature, The Only Child, in pre-production, September 2005. Um, now, to be fair, IMDb is super easy to edit. I made an IMDb page for the short film that we made mm-hmm. called Bob. Bob. Bob the short film. Bob. Bob. Um, Bob and I did it just to see. Can I, we? I really did it just to see if if it was easy to add like a mm-hmm. film for when we make films in the future. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if we do make more films, which we will. 
I'm going to remove Bob because yeah. Bob's dumb as fuck. But like, we should, we, we'll remove it from IMDb. I'm Bob proud of this episode. I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of Bob, but uh, I just want to say yeah. it's really easy to edit IMDb. Yeah. So there's no doubt he wrote all of this. Um, uh, let's get on to personal quotes from George A. Johnson. Oh, this is going to be too much preamble, but I feel like in this, oh, I said, that's a pet peeve of mine in my own speech. Never mind. Anyway, in the spirit of him giving too much backstory to everything, we're going to continue give too much backstory to this movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> please do. Maybe he's like inspired by Tolkien. Where like Tolkien's like the world needs to have a backstory for everything that's in it. Okay. But like Tolkien writes a backstory so that he knows what's going on. Yeah. And then he just gives you the information you need. Yeah. I think Tolkien is what... <laughs> Is like that done well, where it's a well fleshed out world and it feels like there's space to it, you know? Like, oh, it's not just these characters, there's a grander thing happening. This is like, they were trying to, like, I guess we'll humanize them, say, I don't know, just anything about them. I don't know, it just seems like. I, you know, if you're writing a story, you're going to have backstory for all of the main characters and maybe even some of the side characters. But there's no reason to know the names of the children of the lady running the food stamps office. It's who, necessary. <laughs> who we don't even get a good close-up of the picture. We don't know her name. Why do we know her kid's name? Well, she doesn't even have a name. <laughs> oh, okay. His quotes here are, Perfect. Let's do it again. Commonly said after each take on set of Dreamer, the movie. Dreamer, the movie comes up a lot in his... Uh... That's the one I thought that I knew because I thought it was the, the DreamWorks movie, Dreamer, which is about a horse, but it's not. It's a different movie. Um, but I, I, love, I love the Dreamer colon the movie. Was it like adapted from something? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> But it, it seems weird to to call it that as opposed to dreamer the dream, I guess. <laughs> Don't worry, it all makes sense in my head, said in jest, to put at ease the minds of confused actors on Dreamer the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the just the fact that the actors were confused. Oh. I bet there were a lot of confused actors uh, that have crossed paths with them. We, we need to watch this movie so that we can figure out why they were confused. <laughs> this one, he thinks you sound so smart. I've discovered that boxes do not exist, except those constructed by fearful imaginations. Given the movie that we've just watched, that he wrote, directed... <laughs> And produced. Boxes do exist. Boxes exist. And he is in one. And he's in a very, very specific box. <laughs> uh, almost sheltered, honestly. I like to think that he didn't mean boxes in like a metaphorical sense. He, he just, just said like boxes. cardboard boxes. <laughs> he's just a conspiracy theorist who doesn't believe in boxes. Oh my gosh, boxes, boxes. Do you believe in boxes? Boxes don't exist. Boxes are alive by the Obama Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> the Obama administration created boxes and implanted it into Americans' minds so that they would think that they exist. They keep their minds small. 
doesn't even make sense. <laughs> but I wouldn't put uh, it past him, honestly. Uh, uh, possible, in quotes, bores me. The impossible is much more exciting. These seem like bad dating profiles. Well, but the, the thing about these is that they're made worse by the fact that he clearly... He thinks he's pushing boundaries. He thinks he's so inspiring. <laughs> and then he says that and writes a movie like the one we just watched where the people don't even do what's possible. Oh, no, they don't. They don't. They don't do anything. <laughs> They're so dumb. All right. And then the final quote. I don't consider myself a genre writer. I enjoy writing in any genre that allows me to, to tell a good story. My first film, Dreamer, the movie, <laughs> was a strange thinking movie. <laughs> After Homeless for the Holidays, I moved right into a futuristic science fiction adventure. I hope I never get caught up in a single genre for too long. I prefer to keep myself guessing. I want to see all of his movies. <laughs> a Dreamer the movie is apparently a thinking movie, and I like a good thinking movie. Well, clearly, if the actors were confused, but he knew what was going on the whole time, it must be a mind twister. <laughs> oh, that's He clearly thinks he's Christopher Nolan. He's like, my movies, you got to think about them for a little bit. Some people might not have known that this movie... It's a Jesus movie. <laughs> you if gotta you blink, think about it. If you blink, you might miss it. <laughs> Subtle nod to Jesus H. Christ. Uh -huh. Oh, boy. <laughs> so anyway, that's a little background on the director. Um, seems like a cool dude, to be honest. Mm. want to see him play with those action figures. I wonder what's so, going to happen. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> So, such a cool guy, just a cool guy, real, real cool guy. Um, the main actor in this movie, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I do recommend watching it before listening to it. I don't know. Listen to this first, then watch it. I don't care. Do whatever you want. I mean, when we get to the rating point, we'll tell oh, you yeah. whether or not we think you should watch it. But I think probably watching it before the podcast makes a lot of sense. They don't need just, to, though. But you don't need to. It yeah. really doesn't matter. But if you haven't seen it, the main actor looks just like Adam Sandler. And I have a picture of him, what he looks like now. Oh, my gosh. And I'm about to show it to John. And I think it should be entertaining for our listeners to hear John's reaction to he this He really picture. looks like Adam Sandler. So what the fuck? What in the... He looked... He grew a mane. <laughs> he definitely doesn't look like Adam Sandler anymore. It's so strange. What? Describe uh, to the listeners exactly what you see. Uh, uh, so like generic white dude, but still kind of Adam Sandler face. Yeah. Right? But then like take some of Matthew McConaughey's hair and dye it gray. Just straight up gray. It looks like if Adam Sandler tried to become hot. I, 
Yeah, or it looks like if Adam Sandler were cast as The Witcher, which is not a good it thing. It does. It's not a good thing, but oh, no. it's not a bad thing either. He looks better, I would say. Than he did, yeah. It's I would agree. It's surprising, though. It's a bit of a glow up, but also not really. It's a glow. It's not a glow up. It's a glow Sideways. horizontally. It's a, he, he has... He has changed. He has changed. That's that's about all we can say there. Um, he's been in... Okay, so the first two things that he's credited in are... <laughs> Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor and Lost. In Pearl Harbor, he is listed as... <laughs> Uncredited goose dude. I'm sure that was a a big breakout role for him. He came onto the scene firing on all on all cylinders as uncredited goose dude in Pearl Harbor, directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> then a classic, of course. He went on to the hit show Lost to grace them with his with his talents. And who does he play on Lost? He plays two people on Lost, as far as I can tell. Um, well, he has two separate credits for different episodes, one in 2004, one in 2005. In 2004, he was on the episode, All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. I have not seen the show. I have not either, so this may not be really all that interesting, but we're going to talk about it. Maybe you'll find it interesting, though. Maybe the listeners have seen it. And they'll be like, oh, that guy. Uh, and that one... <laughs> His role is husband. So, really yeah, doing good. well. Real good. Real then high level roles. In the episode in 2005, Collision, his name is Travis. And gotta say, good casting. He looks like a Travis. He does kind of look like a Travis. So then, <laughs> hot off of his streak of Pearl Harbor. And Lost, this guy, he's got a career ahead of him. He's booking roles. He hooks up with our, our man, George, a Johnson. And they make Homeless for the Holidays. The Time Felt classic. <laughs> time Felt? Yeah. Is that a phrase? Yeah. I've never heard that. All right. It lives in all of our hearts. It is felt by time. Time's been feeling it. Um, I'll read the little blurb on IMDb about the movie. A smug executive enjoys the perfect life until he loses his job and finds himself working at a burger joint. Now he's, now he's falling behind on his bills, and if something doesn't change soon, his family could lose everything by Christmas. I, that doesn't. I don't feel like that's actually the movie's plot, though. Um, that's not really what happens. Well, his family is the victim of his own <laughs> irresponsibility. <laughs> we. I, uh, it's. It is shocking to me that that he wrote this movie and did not did not think of anything of the fact that he made the character such a moron. Okay. Would you care to guess how much money this movie lost at the box office? 
Oh my gosh. Was it in theaters? Um, I believe it was released in local theaters in Mm. Indiana where it was filmed. Right. How much it lost? Uh, You could even guess what the budget of the movie was. That would be interesting. Oh dear. Uh, Well, I'm assuming it was not a high budget movie. No. But that doesn't mean a lot to me because sometimes people are stupid and spend a lot of money on shit. The, so, the titles that roll this before this movie are just things that sound like made-up companies. It's true. They really do. <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess that it was made for 235 grand. Boy, you have overestimated. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to guess that it lost 10 grand. Actually, you were being generous there. Okay. It only lost five grand, but it was made for five grand, thirty thousand dollars. Thirty thousand dollars. Okay, I I really overestimated how much they spent on this movie. I just assumed that he was as moronic as his characters. I don't, I don't know how you could have thought that they had two hundred thousand dollars. They'd have been able to afford good microphones, John. David, you do realize that this is a movie about a guy who's been an executive for 15 years that loses his job and in three months loses his house. And something that I have found, the director has said it is loosely based on his own life. Yeah, right. He doesn't know how food stamps work. (laughs) This is a true story, John. This is what he went through. I just need to, we've we've got to just cover the fact that this dude starts off as an asshole, okay? He's not nice. He's not nice. No one is. He's not nice to his kids. His kids. He's not nice to his wife. His kids. We love his kids. His kids are great. Uh, Oh, that's not Specifically his son. His son is great. His son is a star. The best actor in the entire thing. The f- one of the very first lines in the movie is the kid staring at the camera. Well, just past the camera because it's off kilter from him. Staring past the camera at nobody, delivering the line. Did you know that in Wooded Hollow, the unemployment rate has gone up 7%? Uh, John, it is Wooded Falls. Sorry, I don't care because that's the <laughs> dumbest name. It says the guy who also, lived in Friendswood, which is also a terrible name. Well, I think what's so funny is throughout the movie, after he's lost his job, for reasons that we will get into that make no sense, um, he's like, I can't leave Wooded Falls. And you never know why. Well, and you never know, <laughs> you never even know what Wooded Falls is, because for the first half of the movie, I thought it was the neighborhood. I didn't realize it was like the town. It basically, he's like, I don't want to leave the suburbs. I have to leave the suburbs? Barf. No, I don't want to leave generic town. <laughs> I don't want to leave the generic town with a rundown burger joint that's definitely got some shady business going on in the back. Where all the rich people live in mansions. Where all my friends that hate me because I'm poor live. <laughs> This guy definitely projected, like, 
how he would have treated someone in this situation onto the characters around them. Because there's no way that this is based on people that he dealt with when he was going through something like this. Because that's not how people act. Oh. That's not how real people act. No like, one in this movie has a shred of empathy until they're making the point at the end. Well, that guy's not even real. No, I meant like the girl. Oh, the girl. Well, mm. I found a, another piece of trivia about the, the movie. When, okay, we need to explain to the audience that eventually in the movie, after he's lost his job and just decided not to search for a new one for three months because he hates his family, I guess. I don't know. Because he's stupid. And his wife was like, ah, I could renew my teaching license. He's like, no, don't do that. I'll have, I'll have my job back by then. But it's very, it's like very thinly veiled. He's like, that would emasculate me if she's. Oh yeah. That never comes back up. Yeah. He's just like, no, don't have a job. And then she's like, okay, I won't have a job because you're the man. And then it's gone. It's done. It's over. Never comes back up. He treats her horribly. Here's the other thing I don't understand. Right. So he loses his job and he's, he doesn't want to go to the other company because he doesn't want to move, right? Yes. But he's also working at a burger joint. Uh-huh. If he thinks the other company is going to call him back, why would he not go to the job that is open to him, move for a brief time, and then let the other company call him and be like, no, we want you back. You can't work at this other company. Like, we'll give you a better offer. Like, counteroffer him. Yeah. Instead, he listens to this rumor from this random guy. That's not how a 15-year business executive would operate. Like, that's so... Yeah, he's head of marketing, but he doesn't understand, like, bidding wars and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get how he... Clearly, he didn't because he doesn't exist, and this is just all uh, Mr. A. Johnson <laughs> projecting his own moronic beliefs into how someone would act in this situation. Uh, okay. I think we should get into the plot like uh, chronologically. Now. Okay. Uh, starts off with a horrible, poorly done CGI. Of <laughs> <laughs> it's not CGI. It's just fucking animated. Well, it's so gross. <laughs> it's like weirdly three dimensional <laughs> where it's like, Ooh, I don't like this. <laughs> it's just like a book sitting on a table. Yeah. In front of a fireplace? A fireplace that isn't, that fire is so bad. <laughs> um, and the book, the title of the book is Jack Baker's Life. <laughs> they could have made it the title of the movie. It would have been better. <laughs> it would have been so much better. Well, and, and also, even if it was like an autobiography, right? Like, nobody titles their autobiography, My Life. Um, and they're clearly going for, like, the, the old-timey Disney, like, book opens, then it goes into the movie that way. You know, like, the way that, like, The Jungle Book and yeah, Snow White and I, all that I did. hadn't even thought of that, but yeah, in, in, like, So Dear to My Heart and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's going for that, but the thing about all of those is that those are adapted from books. So, it's like, we're taking you into that story. Right, yeah. But this is just a loosely based on George a Johnson's life. 
Very loosely. There is no way this is based on... All of these things happened to him. Yes, the man who was a filmmaker from the time he was seven definitely was a marketing executive for 15 years. Emmy-winning director. (laughs) We don't know that. We haven't found that anywhere. Emmy-holding director. Emmy-holding director. (laughs) I wish he had, like... I wish he would, like, credit himself that way in his movie. He's like, I've been near an Emmy. (laughs) That is... That's, um... Uh... The two college humor writers, uh, Emily and... Oh, I've forgotten their names. I don't know. That's a joke they make it when they advertise their show is their Emmy award holders. And it's just them holding Emmys <laughs> that they didn't win. Um, so it starts with, with that. There's some poorly done narration, some just so much text. It's more text than the beginning of a Star Wars movie, honestly. They're just hitting you with so much really inconsequential information because I didn't read any of it. They're just saying stuff about how Jack Baker is like a self-made businessman and he has everything he wants. Um, then it opens. They've got some news going on about how people are unemployed because of the economy, because it's 2009. You know how the economy You know is. how it be. You know the economy. You know the economy. They're going to mention the economy so many fucking times. In this environment, of course. <laughs> Can you imagine in this economy? Oh. <sighs> anyway, they've got a, a newsreel going about it. Most realistic part of the movie, right off the bat. It's downhill from there, you know? Then... The star of the movie shows up. The sun. The sun is a scene stealer. He's sitting there watching the news as a nine year old <laughs> by himself. It's not like someone else turned it on. This this movie does not spare you any time getting into how bad the direction is because this kid was clearly not told anything like he's not given anything to watch there's clearly nothing happening in front of him his eyes are dead set it's like he was told to stare at a dot and he pierced that dot's soul he he obliterated that dot no so this very very in-touch child. Um, he's very similar to, like, the wise child trope, but just a little off-kilter. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a bit like uh, Chloe Grace Moretz in 500 Days of Summer, where it's just like, no child has ever been this way. <laughs> um, he's watching it. His dad turns it off and says, watch some cartoons. Why don't you be normal? <laughs> He says that a couple times, yeah. He says to his son, be normal. Stop this. Good fathering right there. Quit being a freak. <laughs> and then then and then his daughter is asking him to hang out hang out and play at home and he's like, Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. And 
He's like, oh, you know, it's just it's uh, just this couple of uh, he says like a couple of days or like a, a few weeks, busy weeks or something like that. And yeah. His son goes more like years. <laughs> he goes, read a comic book. Be normal again. <laughs> This guy hates his son. (laughs) The line, don't you have a comic book? Be normal. This is the setup for when he's a loving dad with Uh, with money. He hates his kids. He doesn't want to spend time with them. Uh, His wife is introduced with an argument about him working too much. Where they're just outside in the middle of a parking lot. Uh, he answers the phone. His wife is instantly disappointed because you know how wives be. <laughs> you know, wives. Wives. You know how wives wife. Wives wife? You know how wives wife. No, wives wife. The plural, the, plural, the plural of wife is wives. No, it's not. No, it's a bit, John. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, but they do, they do mispronounce words quite frequently. In the narration, too. It's not like, oh, these oh, characters oh, just Oh, don't. there's so much narration, and the narrator sounds like he's giving a commercial. <laughs> Every he, time. He sounds like he's about to, like, do a turn where he starts talking to you about some medication. Yeah. <laughs> If you were a loved one has been exposed to mesothelioma, you may be entitled for compensation. <laughs> That's oh. the voice he uses for all of the narration. And you can tell that he thinks it's not like you can. It's transparent. This movie, you know what everyone's thinking about the things that they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can tell that this guy thinks he sounds like really like grandfatherly and like. Like, a, like his voice is a hug or something, you know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, this is just a cozy Christmas movie. He's, yeah, he's got a smug voice. Yeah, like Michael, my, like Michael, Michael Blue Play. Callback to something you weren't here for. <laughs> yes. Uh, Michael Blue if you're listening. We fucking hate you. Stop singing. Get a life. That segment has been Michael Blue leave. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, this dude has a life. He's got the wife, he's got the kids, and he's very good at his job, as we are led to believe, based on nothing. It cuts to a meeting of him playing the very end of an ad and of... It's so poorly edited, too, because it seems like a commercial break in the middle of the movie. (laughs) Not in, like, a stylistic choice for the, like, what if we made it seem like a commercial within, like, to the audience, but then it's actually within the context of the movie, like a gag, you know? (laughs) It's just jarring. (laughs) It's like, what is happening? (laughs) It cuts to the commercial, then instantly cuts in a way where it's like, that can't have been the end of the commercial, but then it is. And he's saying nonsense to a boardroom. (laughs) And 
Then he ends his presentation with a question. He's like, what do we need to do on marketing? Or something like that. He said, what do we need to do to prepare for all the new sales we're going to be breaking in? And then the lady goes, I'm sold. (laughs) He doesn't answer. We don't know what they need to do. They're unprepared. (laughs) But the boardroom loves it. (laughs) Fergie. Fergie loves it. His boss's name is Mr. Ferguson. Mr. Ferguson. And they call him Fergie. Well, only Wesley calls him Fergie. That's because Wesley is in love with him. (laughs) They are lovers on the down low. They are lovers. Uh, uh. Um, We haven't gotten to Wesley yet. We have not. Wesley is about to show up. Wesley, He's going to rock some shit. He's going to rear his head. Mm. Um, Oh, I would like to to note Uh before we get too far, I figured Uh out what his Emmy is for. Oh. His Emmy is for the Guess Who Haunted. Uh, in the category Splash Video and Photography. So it's a music video. Ooh. We need to watch that music video at some point. Should we take a break, watch the music video? If I can get it to open, yes. We will take a break and watch this music video, and we will report back promptly. Anyway. Okay, we're back. We're back. Ooh, We've just watched a music video directed by uh, Mr. Red Johnson. For the famous band, The Guess Who. The Guess Who. Not The Who. Uh, The Guess Who. The Guess Who. (laughs) If you guessed not The Who, you would be correct. They look like a Journey cover band with (laughs) just some guy playing drums. Some some dude. It looks like they went, they just got like a PA on the set for the music video and were like, can you cover the drums? And he was like, I will. I would, I would be honored. And he loved it. He had such a good time. I'm happy for him. It's very creepy. Everything's very creepy. It's very moody. They're all like kind of, you know, like in their feelings. They think, they think they're rock stars. Yeah, they think they're rock stars. And then the drummer's just sitting there with the biggest grin, just <laughs> smacking some hot drums, just banging it out. Very much uh, into it. So much into it. Um, um, the cinematography was better. Good for that. Yeah, yeah, good. pretty good. I don't know who did it. He, the cinematographer was not credited that I could see. Even um, though they rolled credits at the end of the music video. Oh, okay. Director of photography was Reed Petro. Shout out to Reed Petro. If you're listening, good job, Reed. Did better than whoever did Homeless for the Holidays. Watch it be Reed Petro. <laughs> I mean, that would just be inspiring. He improved. <laughs> Anyone can get better. Uh, no, he did. Uh, he did do. He did do. He did do his other movie, Thy Neighbor. Uh, he was oh. director of photography on Thy Neighbor. Okay. He appears to have mostly done short films and music videos and commercials. John, I've just stumbled upon something. We didn't know who the guess who was. They have over a million monthly listeners on Spotify. They're killing it. Dang. They have a song called American Woman with uh, 73 million streams. Um, they have not, another song. Not the American Woman. I don't know. Um, I've never heard of that. This song, These Eyes, with 27 million streams. 
Because if you... American woman is an American woman. Hang on. Do you know this? I skipped to the middle. Okay. Came out in 1970. Yeah. I do know this. Okay, well. They play it every 4th of July. They do? Like six or seven times, yes. Anyway, yeah, she did that. I don't care. Anyway, where were we? We got, oh, he, he's very, very good at his job and everyone wants to give him promotions and he's very smug about it. He's bought his nameplate already. Oh yeah, I forgot about that line. They're like, we're gonna make you vice president. And he's like, I know. Which, it's really funny to me that he's like, oh yeah, I already bought a nameplate for, for vice president. And he doesn't, have any savings and well okay and just i like to think that what if he hadn't gotten and he just had that nameplate for so long <laughs> what if he bought it like a long time ago too he's like this he's just been carrying me. it in his pocket the entire because he has it on him he pulls like, it out and shows it to his manager he's like when are they gonna ask me i'm gonna look so cool when they ask Ah. <laughs> uh, He's had it since they hired him as like an intern <laughs> for 15 years. That's how long he's worked there because Fergie has been like the father to him for 15 years. They do not set up that he's been at all like a father to him. As no. a matter of fact, they set up... So you're, David's referencing the line where, they, where his wife says that Fergie's been like a father to him for mm -hmm. 15 years. But they don't set that up at all because the only other time she ever mentions him is when she's mad at him for answering a phone call from work. There's only ever backstory on things that don't matter. They don't like establish the relationship of the husband and wife when it's good. They don't establish anything positive between him and his family at all. They don't establish the relationship between him and his boss. They don't, there's nothing. Um, they they try to establish that they worked their way from the ground up by they mentioning don't, it briefly in passing, but like they don't say what they did, and and if they had, then you'd feel like they'd know what to do in the situation they're in rather than just sitting on their ass. They don't even set it up so that you like the character. There's not a single character in this movie worth liking, except the son. Except the son. The son's great. That's uh -huh. great. Oh, so good. He knows that unemployment has risen 7% in wooded whatever the fuck it was. Wooded falls, John. Okay, gotcha. Wooded forest. I can't do this, John. I'm sorry. You're not taking this film seriously <laughs> enough. From Emmy-winning director Georgia Johnson. <laughs> I, okay, I, I know we really need to like get through like the actual uh, plot, but I just I, I have to say this movie so very clearly like is is towing like the conservative line of like the system is set up to keep people poor who are poor, but if they just worked harder, they'd be able to get out. But then it also is is 
is about like building it from the ground. I just, it, this movie is so fucking confusing. The movie, <laughs> much like how <laughs> the actors on the on the set of <laughs> Dreamer, the, Dreamer, the movie, the movie <laughs> felt. His movies are thinking movies, John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's very weird because. The movie does seem, like, very, like, hard, like, capitalist, but the story isn't. It's so strange. The story should be, oh, we learned that a life, like, spent seeking money is unfulfilling, and you need to be happy with what you have. That's the surface-level story, but then they they undercut themselves constantly. Um... They're just like, oh, we have money now. And that's when the happy moments happen. And they, like, they try. They have like this moment. They're like, oh, the power's out, but we'll sing. Um, <laughs> us and our light that comes from nowhere. <laughs> yeah, there's a, the lighting in this is abysmal. It's so bad. Everything is. The audio. Oh, the audio clips so often. I know. I, oh, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the ADR in that scene. Oh yeah, the ADR and and it's just a scene in a bedroom, right? And it's very, very clearly ADR'd because it does not sound like a room at all. It's like, and it, the delivery doesn't like they're not, bad actors, right? But they, mm-hmm. if in the scene, it would not have been delivered the way that she delivered it. Because she probably wasn't delivering it to someone acting. She was just reading a script and trying to match her vocal performance previously. So it's very, very stale. It's just very straightforward. Nothing makes sense is really the through line through this movie. It's, I think it's best viewed as absurdist, like, nonsense. Um... We'll get into the grocery store later. Oh gosh, the grocery store. I don't, I don't, I don't, I want to know how Mr. A. Johnson, I will never stop calling him that. I want to know how Mr. A. Johnson sees the world. Who does he think runs? What is he trying to say? Who, how, does he think that's how the world works? I'm so okay. confused. Anyway, uh, things happen. He, the main character, Jack Baker, um, which, you, you know, they were going for like the all-American name there. They're like, we want an everyman that anyone can relate to. What about we give him the most generic name that ever existed? We will name him Jack Baker. <laughs> um, it's like knockoff Jack Reacher. Yeah, no, I, partway through the movie, I was like, I had a different name in my head. And then they said Jack Baker and I was like, oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Not, and I don't remember what it was anymore, but it was like, it's just so generic. It's like the, he he could have been named John Doe and we would have been like, (laughs) (laughs) it would have made just as much sense for his character, honestly. (laughs) Because he has no defining characteristics. He has zero personality. (laughs) 
other than sounding surprised by everything, he's just always talking like this. He almost always sounds like he's whispering. Well, that's because of the bad microphones. Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> they have an argument scene where it gets pretty heated, but they're always still talking like this. He's like, finally, <laughs> for once in my life, I have a problem. <laughs> And it's not within my power to solve it. <laughs> that line is so dumb. It's uh, it's like that thing on TikTok uh, with uh, what's her name, where she had a song for one day. I was <laughs> I was sad. I don't know that one. It's, there's this girl. She wrote like a pop song, and she was getting ragged on for like saying for one day in my life I was sad. It's just like just one day. Oh, oh, I know what song you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, really? You've got a problem for once in your life? Oh, cool, dude. <laughs> Maybe if you'd made it a savings account, you idiot. <laughs> I just, I can't. Okay, we haven't even, he hasn't even been, we haven't even gotten to the point where he's fired yet. In the okay, oh, we'll get there. Okay, yeah, this dude, he goes into work after being greeted by reporters when he's getting his newspaper. It was 2009. People still read newspapers, I guess. Um, no, not really. His son reads that newspaper. I'm sure he does. There's a, there's a, a picture. Like in the movie, he's reading a newspaper. Oh, he was? On a couch. Right after his dad shuts off the TV and is like, watch a cartoon, you freak. He's like... <laughs> he picks up a newspaper? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not going to watch a cartoon. I'm going to read like business. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to read about the economy. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Have you heard about it? Mm. <laughs> Employment's up 7%. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he's greeted by reporters as he's getting his newspaper, and... But he doesn't... He, instead of even trying to figure out what's going on, he just closes his door. He's like, ah, oh, not the reporters again. And then goes to work. <laughs> he shows up at work, and he's like, hey, guys, what's going on? He doesn't... The thing is, he doesn't even really react to the reporters. He just kind of acts as if it's normal, which is really weird. It seems like a dream, you know, where he's not like startled or anything. He's just like vaguely confused. Well, and I thought it was going to be a dream sequence because mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way he just walks out his front door and they're like, did you hear that you were part of the unemployment? You have been unemploymented. That's what it seemed like it was going to do. And it, it didn't, but it was close. And also because everything that's outside looks like a dream. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, everything shot outside has this weird haze over it that looks like someone just took a lens and went <sighs> and then put it on the camera <laughs> so he shows up at work and his boss is like did you sign this and he's like no and his boss is like let me say it again did you sign this and he's like uh, yes and then he's like ah cool we're firing him. <laughs> yeah, his boss does this weird thing where he's like, uh, we're throwing you under the bus. And also we're telling you that we're throwing you under the bus. Um, but Don't let the media know, though, because we'll hire you back. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't understand. The boss's plan never makes sense. None of his, oh boy, diabolical plans make sense. <laughs> and they are very much diabolical. 
but, but it's nice that the movie points it out to us though. Yeah. There's yeah. a line in the movie where an actual character who is supposed to be a real person in this true story <laughs> says, Oh boy, a diabolical plan, and then laughs. And rubs his hands together. Yes. And they were like, this is a true story. <laughs> this happened. This happened to me, a Johnson. <laughs> of all people, a Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Not George, a Johnson. <laughs> So then, oh, the big thing that gets him fired is they're like, you are responsible for poisoning, was it like 30-something people? Because it his, was higher than that. It was like 200-something people. Okay. They were responsible for releasing this cleaning product that in the instructions, instead of saying open in a ventilated room, do not inhale... And the warnings, like the fine print warnings, said, Do now inhale. Open. Do now inhale. <laughs> and within this story, morons read that and said, I should inhale this cleaning product now that I've opened it. 200 something morons. It was an insane amount of morons. <laughs> and it was so weirdly phrased, too. Who would have read that and been like, Ah, oh, yes, do now inhale? <laughs> Well, and the thing about that is, <laughs> now I do inhale. <laughs> you see that type of misprint on labels mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. But they don't get sued for them. And apparently, their cleaning product is so toxic, it killed people. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. It'll it'll certainly kill germs. It might kill your dog, too. Be careful. (laughs) The advertisement... Okay, the craziest thing about this is that I thought it was a beauty product for a large portion of the movie. And you're like, it opened and they inhaled it and they died. (laughs) 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 The advertisements for this product should be (laughs) nothing survives beautiful blue... (laughs) Beautiful blue with a W in beautiful and a W in blue. Wait, is there a W in beautiful? There was a W in beautiful. That's what I was oh, laughing dude. about. I thought you were laughing at the W in be- blue, blue. It's blue, like blowing, like I blew on something. B-L-E-W. Blue. Oh, I thought it was B-L-U-W. No. Blue. It's B-L-E-W and beautiful was B-E-W-I-T-F-U-L, like it wasn't even beautiful. It was like beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. This very successful corporation, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, oh, we forgot about Wesley. No, Wesley. This little weasel shows up, and he's like. <laughs> Mr. Fergie, <laughs> please, I want to show you my ideas for our product. And instead of being like, oh, that's pretty cool that you're like being proactive and trying to contribute to our company, Mr. Ferguson is like, you're a worm. Don't talk to me. 
<laughs> well, you know, he kind of does the. I get what they were going for. Have you mm. have you seen um, Mad Men? Have you watched? I've Mad seen Men? a couple episodes. Okay. In Mad Men, you know, you've got John Hamm mm. as the main dude. Don Hamm Draper. Mm. Don Draper. He's the main marketing executive. Yeah. And he's like the hot shot, right? And then they've got his partner, his assistant uh-huh. dude, who's coming up. He's the up and coming. Um, mm-hmm. I think his name is Peter or something. And they do that with him where he like tries to pitch directly mm-hmm. to the guy above him, skipping over Don. Mm-hmm. So I can see that's what they were going for, right? Yeah. But it's so poorly written that it's like some random intern walked up to the CEO and was like, uh, dear sir, uh, sir, uh, dear, dear sir, me, you, uh, I have plans. And then the dude was like, fucking weasel, go die in a hole and never see me again. He says, you have dug yourself a pit that I doubt you will ever climb out of. (laughs) Um... So that introduces Wesley, who's a recurring character, somewhat like the the bad guy comic relief, that archetype. Um, so then, yeah, Jack's been fired. He's at home. Cuts to like a weird segment where he's just around the house doing nothing, waiting for <laughs> waiting for Mr. Ferguson to call him back, like he's super into a girl or something, like. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh she'll call me back she really likes me <laughs> but it's like <laughs> yeah Jack's crushing on Mr. Ferguson and <laughs> he's just laying around the house not looking for a job or anything and then eventually his wife is like no this is unacceptable he's been lying in bed till three in the afternoon and he says he's not gonna get out of bed cause Mr. Ferguson's gonna call him back Uh Uh-uh. It's been three months of this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go into the other room and very quickly come back with a glass of water. That, the time there didn't make sense. She returns, rips the blanket off of him, and he's like, hey, I told you Mr. Ferguson was going to call me back. And then at this point, he is very clearly wide awake. And then she throws the glass of water in his face. And ice goes everywhere. There's so much ice in there. It's mostly ice. Like, he should have gotten a black eye from that. It. I'm surprised he didn't go, ow, that hurt. And then they had to, like, redo it. Um, <laughs> I wonder how many times he got water thrown in his oh, face. Oh, actually, I have seen some behind-the-scenes footage of this movie that oh was on the DVD that we watched it on with my family. After the credits, they have some behind-the-scenes. It might be on Amazon, too. You might want to watch that at some point. Maybe. Um, and they have a whole, like, little thing of them just throwing water in his face. He doesn't go, ow, ever, which is surprising. Um, but they did have to redo it a few times. That was one of their tricky shots. And that is not surprising. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that that's what they, like, we need to get the, another take of this. We got to, this is essential to the quality of the movie. We need more footage of that rather than like, ah, dude, the camera was shaking so bad that entire take. 
Maybe we should redo it. Like, nah, let's film some more of ice being thrown in his face. Oh, no, you're right. It is B-U-W. B-O-U-W. But there is a W in beautiful. Oh, okay. Dear listeners, the spelling is B-E-A-W-T-I-F-U-L. Beautiful. 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 And then blue is B-L-U-W. Beautiful blue. 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 Oh, oh. <laughs> imagine going to the store. You know, like, Smythe some... Anderson products may contain hazardous chemicals. <laughs> uh, for, for the listeners, what John had pulled up was a, a still like an image from the movie in which it has, it's like the end of the advertisement in his presentation. And Apparently, it's a Smythe Anderson product that may contain hazardous chemicals that can kill you. Just if you breathe in too much of it, you don't even have to, like, drink it. It'll just kill you. Poison control should not have let this product go out to the public. Anyway. Uh, where are we? I don't even know. <laughs> there's too much bad stuff to get through. You want to bring it all up, but it's just let's 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 speed run the actual plot. So basically, dude gets fired. He gets fired, and he looks doesn't for want jobs. a new job for a while. He doesn't want a new right. Job. He doesn't want a job to the point where like his family's starting to feel the effects of poverty, and then poverty. <laughs> yeah, they live in. A they house. never leave their house. They have a grand piano. Yeah. Um, they get a bunch of calls from debt collectors all the time yeah that's about the worst of their troubles for a while yeah and his wife's like hey maybe i should like renew my teaching license and uh i'll go get some money for the family and he's like "Uh uh-uh you're a woman basically yeah nope (laughs) stay home You wench. (laughs) (laughs) It does kind of feel like that. Um, What are you doing out of the kitchen? (laughs) Um, Anyway. So his wife's like, okay, cool. Guess not. Guess we'll be poor. Guess we'll get the power turned off. I won't renew my license. And then... He's like, I'll go get a job. There's a whole bunch of weird characters and like a weird techno song playing over it. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's a man who really did some horrible stuff, apparently. His name is Profanity in Schools, they said. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So he's he's trying to get a job at a a car, at a car lot. Uh Uh-huh. And the, the dude that he's interviewing with turns him down and then he just goes on a monologue about how horrible he is and all the horrible things he's done and how his name is profanity in schools. This dude did like investigative reporting research on this car lot before applying there. And he was like, seems really shady. I'll apply. Okay. I mean, this is in his uh-huh. beautiful neighborhood that he does not want to leave. Wooded Falls. Wooded Falls. He's in this guy's hallway. 
just a hallway. <laughs> yeah, the scene is filmed in a hallway, and they made it look like an office. It's so weird. He's, he's got this, like, weird wheel that he spins. Yeah. And it's just there. It's clearly just there to make it so that you don't notice that there's not a wall behind him. There's mm-hmm. a hallway behind him. <laughs> He's chewing on a toothpick. He's there's like a mob boss who just has a hallway. He's got terrible makeup <laughs> all over his face. Uh, anyway, this guy's like, nah, I can't use you as he says it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you poisoned all them people. All of all of the scenes in this movie give off the beginning of a porno vibe. Every single one but not in that they're horny more in that these people don't have chemistry in any sense and no one does no one does not a single person (laughs) he talks to his wife and you're like have they met before (laughs) they are they are lit shot acted just exactly like what you would expect to see in like clips from a porno. Very, very awkward. Not sure why we're talking about this. It's not the point, but we're going to get to the point. It's, ah, it's, oh, it's all bad. It's all bad. Anyway, uh, he can't get a job for a while until he goes to this brothel that is also a fast food restaurant. (laughs) 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 The restaurants. Entirely, entirely <laughs> operated by teenage girls that sit around chewing gum on their phones. And then they're like, pimp. <laughs> <laughs> this, okay, and it sounds like I'm reading into this a lot. It's very surface level. Oh, it's very surface level. Um, there's this dude who, <laughs> okay, Jack Baker, our hero. Goes up to the counter and he's like, hey, I need a job. I applied a while ago. Wondering if you'd made a decision. And the guy who, the manager there, he's like, no. And then he looks off screen. He says, he says something about beautiful women. No, no, no. He gets to that later. It's like one of the first things he says before he looks off screen. Oh, well, okay. Anyway, there's a whole thing, but then like they look off screen, supposedly because they're gawking out like the girls that work there. Um, not supposedly, it's implied. Um, anyway, then eventually, Jack Baker's like, "Yeah, why can't I work here?" When the manager says, "Listen, you're not my type," and then he cuts to all of. The girls that work there and they don't look at all similar so his type just being women generally um oh he said what he said is because I'm, I'm looking with uh, subtitles uh, I'm kind of going through okay he asks if he's reached a decision yet and he says i haven't found the right person but i'll know when i see her and then he That's looks over at the three girls sitting at the register but we don't see them it's really weirdly done we don't see them. It doesn't pan to them. He just looks off and kind of like does an up and down like double take. 
which he's constantly doing anytime he's on screen. He's just always checking someone out. <laughs> it's so weird. Why is this in this movie? It doesn't serve any purpose. <laughs> um, I think what happened was George A. Jo- George A. Johnson. Sorry. <laughs> I nearly slipped up and called him something that is not his name. <laughs> Was like, this movie needs some sex appeal. He's like, are we going to get it in there? He's like, what if we make this fast food restaurant a front for a prostitution ring? (laughs) (laughs) But don't explain it at all. And then everyone that gave him his $30,000 was like, yes, good idea. (laughs) So anyway... Jack Baker. I just just thought I'd remind you of this dude's face. Jack Baker's like, all right, listen, I'll work for you for free for a while. And if you like my work, you can keep me on. And then the manager's like, you should be in marketing. That's a good idea. That's not how labor laws work. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's not actually a good idea. Uh, that's how you get in trouble with the IRS. Georgia Johnson doesn't know how anything works in real life. Very clearly not. <laughs> because he starts working at this restaurant and the dude makes him wear this penguin costume. And people make fun of him for wearing a penguin costume. When he the, works at a fast food restaurant. In like the most ridiculous ways possible like the director shows up he has his m night Shyamalan moment (laughs) where he shoves paper towel down the front of his costume for no reason he's like this should be in the movie because this is something that actually happened to me (laughs) this is a real experience that i georgia johnson went through what? This happened to me not long before I filmed Dreamer, the movie. <laughs> it was a little bit after I had figured, after I had finished playing with my action figures. <laughs> I was setting some weightlifting records. <laughs> and then someone made fun of me for the penguin costume I was wearing. I had just shrugged 615 pounds, and then this dude comes up to me. He's like, why are you wearing a penguin costume? And then he shoves paper towels around me. <laughs> I just, the way people interact with people in this movie is so ridiculous. Every extra is being very extra. <laughs> like, just doing way too much. Either, either people are doing too much or too little. There's no in-between. Well, the main actors are doing way too little. Uh-huh. For most of it. Uh-huh. Except the sun. Except for the sun. Well, and except for when they've decided that they need to make the biggest facial expression of their careers. <laughs> Where they go, what? What will all be? He asked if you wanted beans. Like, it's that type of reaction. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> we were talking about it as we were watching it, and we were saying that it feels like a stage production in a lot of ways. That 
the voice acting is very over the top so that it can be heard in the back and everyone understands exactly what's happening. It's very enunciated. And um, the facial expressions are very big when they have them, which is rare, but when they have them, they're big so that everyone can see them. And uh, the, <laughs> the lighting is either just like harsh room lighting that they didn't adjust at all or some dude holding a spotlight over What do you think that is? <laughs> All right, we're going to cut. Manager. Oh. <laughs> I didn't realize what you were doing at first. Because you pointed to, to Yikes. Yeah, well, like, that's where his name tag was. Yeah. He's trying to be like the vampire store owner manager dude. We're about to get to him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This is going to be a long episode. Oh, my gosh. Uh, sorry, John. You're going to have to edit it before Christmas so they can have some Christmas cheer. <laughs> it's okay. okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. Christmas. For you. For you people. Merry Christmas. Because it is Christmas and there are no other holidays that are being celebrated. <laughs> you can say Christmas, you know. Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> this guy definitely has a Keep Christ in Christmas bumper sticker. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> oh, I want to get to the food stamps. I so want to get to the okay, food hang on. stamps. We'll get to the Please, food stamps. Get us to the food We're, stamps. No, 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 no. The grocery store comes first. Oh, I know, but no, okay. it doesn't. It does. Does it? No, this is after he gets his first paycheck. Oh, right, and they're like, after his We're going to go shopping. Woo. Shop, shop, shop. Okay. They, there's a scene where he gets his first paycheck from the Penguin Point because like, apparently they kept him on. Uh, they don't talk about that. They kept him on. They, they do. He's, he says that. They talk about it? The manager mentions it before that scene. He's like, Yo, "Oh yeah, you're really he, good." He like, has the vision of his dead kids, and then he powers through it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> vision of his dead kids. Someone, someone says the name Michelle, which is his daughter's name, and there's this weird like flash montage where it looks like he's remembering his dead children and wife, <laughs> and his and wife, as they like run into the living room, and it's like, Daddy, oh, it's not even the boy's voice; it's some adult going, it's, it's "Your like, dad's here, Daddy." <laughs> it's like a bad version of the flashback scenes in Shutter Island. Yes, it's exactly <laughs> like what it is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Or uh, an inception when he's remembering his kids before he gets to go. <laughs> <laughs> his wife sets a top spinning. It cuts. <laughs> <laughs> she jumps off a roof. <laughs> It doesn't end the movie. The rest of the movie is about his family being homeless because he... <laughs> they're like, mom would have got her teaching license renewed, but she got herself run over by a train. <laughs> it, it cuts to credits and it's like, it's like <laughs> Michelle grew up to be a prostitute. At Penguin Point. Adam Sandler did Inception on Mom. (laughs) 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 
oh, oh my gosh, there's a scene where the dude says that he wants to use his phone, and the guy goes, oh, I thought that was just like a chick thing. <laughs> He's like, phones, phones are for girls. Get out of here. John's coughing up a hairball, y'all. In all my wheezing, I inhaled a strand of hair and then gagged on it. Apologies. Anyway, they're like, we don't have enough money to pay our bills. We're going to go get some shopping done. And they go to the store where there's a distressed employee. This employee is like, oh, no, I, I screwed up. You want to take items off. I need to get the manager for that. And then they're like, ah, is the manager like mean to you or something? And he's like, no, the manager is a very kind man. He loves small animals and children. He donates to Norwegian refugees. Or I don't know what he says. It's just like a bunch of That's nonsense. That's about right. Yeah. yeah. And then he writes on a postcard, the, the station is bugged. Yeah, he's like, the register is bugged. I can't speak to you. And they're like... What is this scene? Why is this happening? Then the guy is getting very flustered. He's like, I can't take these items off. Now I'm going to have to call the manager over. And I've called him over three times today. He'll be very mad at me. Uh, he, the dude pops out from behind him. <laughs> look, Looking like the Goodwill logo. <laughs> uh, oh, who did I say he looked like? Uh, you said Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, but like specifically... But Neil Patrick Harris is more attractive. Yes, but specifically Neil Patrick Harris dressed as Count, Count Olaf. Yeah. He is very Count Olaf. Uh, I said pirate. John said vampire. He's kind of vampire-ish. He's in between pirate and vampire. Mm-hmm. The main thing is he's doing too much. Vampirate. Um, yeah, a vampirate, as people are. Is he doing too much, or are the rest of them not doing enough? <sighs> it's hard to tell. In this movie, I couldn't tell. He reminds me a little bit of Smeagol somehow. Yeah, that's true. His <laughs> eyes are weird. Yeah, that's the thing. I it, almost made he, a, he could have had a career as like an Andy Serkis type actor. I almost made a, a reference to um, fucking... Uh, what is his name? We talked about how the joke where he looks weird. In uh, Fargo. Oh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. He doesn't look like Steve Buscemi, but part of like the way he looked reminded me of Steve Buscemi in that it's just kind of weird. A, a little, little unsettling, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, <laughs> this dude shows up and he's just all over the place doing who knows what. You don't know what his goal was with this part. But he's, he's doing what he intended to do, you, you have to assume, right? This was this guy's goal. He was like, I'm going to steal the show. There he is. Big old fucking eyeballs. Oh, the entire time. His hair is slicked back. Slicked back. Oh, gosh. Anyway, this guy shows up. And starts taking pictures of them on his flip phone for no reason. And he's talking about how shoplifters... Disappear? They, yeah, he's like, shoplifters don't get asked to leave at this store. 
they disappear. This guy has is admitting to killing people. Okay, but then the thing is, it doesn't make any sense because they're not shoplifting. They aren't. They're taking items off their order that will then go back to shelves. And this guy bans them from his store. And the lady behind them isn't like, this is pretty weird that this is happening. She's, she's just, just indignant. Like, she's she's like, like, ugh, seriously, you're holding up the line. Not again. <laughs> The Ugh. vampire pirate manager has banned them. <laughs> the the uh, Mr. Manager Man is going to have to kill another guy, but it's going to take too long. I've got things to do. My ice cream's melting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, also, the way that the, the kid running the register is scared of this guy makes you wonder what he has done to him. <laughs> Why does he work there? Money, obviously. I don't believe this man is paying you. <laughs> oh no. Every business in this town is an underground crime ring. <laughs> the, the, the car dealership, definitely some mafia stuff going on there. He's hiding turf wars over his hallway. <laughs> what? Oh gosh, why does he want to stay <laughs> in this, in this corrupt town, town? In this terrible town. <laughs> so bad. He's like, I gotta stay here. This is where beautiful blue is. insane uh, the universe of this movie the movie itself is just bad the universe that this movie suggests exists is insane it's a fever dream ah <laughs> uh, okay so anyway <laughs> that even, scene happens for no reason we're not even halfway through the movie we're gonna have to skip some stuff I mean we'll, get to, of, we'll get to the we'll get to the food stamps oh yes food stamps Okay. They're trying to, like... Okay, there's another company that, like, wants to hire Jack Baker, but, like... Uh... <laughs> I can't even say it. Beautiful <laughs> blue. Uh, they're like, we gotta keep him and make sure that uh, it was, like, purees doesn't get him. Yeah, purees, yeah. Um, and... Like, because he's he's be he'd be desperate enough to move because Wesley saw him at the Penguin Point, work wearing a penguin costume, and they're like, oh, he'd move, he'd go for this other job, and they're competitors, and they'll make us. He said, if they get their hands on Jack Baker, we'll be flipping burger patties, is the way he phrases it. Yes, yes. Um, so then, there's all this going on, in like the background. And Wesley and Fergie are conspiring to keep him in town with their diabolical plan, as Wesley calls it, before cackling. And rubbing his hands together like a villain. Uh-huh. <laughs> At which point, Fergie should have been like, dude, what the hell? Like, leave. <laughs> Quit being a he, weirdo. He, he somehow just instantly throws out that he said he was never going to forget. What he did at the beginning of the... Because at the beginning of the movie, he's like, 
you've dug yourself a hole that I don't think you'll ever get out of. And then like 20 minutes later, <laughs> he's, he's like, like, I'll promote you. <laughs> I'm going to promote you. And then he says, uh, yes, a diabolical scheme <laughs> and rubs his hands together. And the guy's like, that's normal. That's fine. This is fine. Wesley has become his henchman. His little <laughs> <laughs> He's become the princess Leia and the slave bikini to his job of the hut. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, where are we? Oh, uh, let's just, let's get to the food stamps. Food, so stamps, the wife, food stamps. The wife is like, best scene. I think we should sign up for food stamps. And he goes, legit, his line is, what? I'm not ready for I'm that. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> uh, first of all, yes, you are. You should have been ready the moment that you didn't have savings. You can't afford food. You, you got banned from the grocery store. Instead of instead of canceling their cable subscription. Selling their grand piano. Selling their grand piano. They let their cable go until they get cut off and get sent to a collection agency. They let their electricity go until they get cut off. Their car their gets repossessed. Go. Their car gets repossessed. The, yeah. Okay, so then eventually she goes, even though he said not to, and she signs up for food stamps, and she's like, oh, thank you so much. Her one moment of, like... Her one moment of doing anything on her own without just listening to his advice. And affecting the plot at all. Yeah. Oh, oh we, we skipped the scene where he's like, you can't talk to me that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, like, really early on. Yeah. She's like, you need to get a job. And he's like, how dare you? You can't speak to me that way, woman. She basically is like, you got to stop moping and actually get a job to pay for us uh, to live because your children need food. And he's like, get in the kitchen, woman. Fuck you. And he, and he whispers it because their microphones are bad. <laughs> well, I thought it was because they didn't want their neighbors to know that they were, they were poor. Well, no, that's uh, that's in in movie the reason, but on set the reason. I would like to believe that in the movie the reason is that the mics might clip. <laughs> like these microphones that have been following us around might clip. It's like The Office. <laughs> they know that they're in it. <laughs> that's why their son was looking at the camera. He's doing the gym moment. <laughs> He's like, this unemployment rate. And then he looks at camera. Whips <laughs> <laughs> to camera. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, she's getting food stamps now because she's finally affecting the plot at all. Yes. And then they use them to go get lobster at a restaurant. <laughs> their their daughter who's like seven is eating lobster i don't know any seven-year-old that would be like i'll have the lobster please yeah it's very weird you could have given her chicken nuggets and like saved money which you very desperately need <laughs> um anyway but when she okay so they get the food stamps they're on food stamps for a little while then eventually they go back so, like, we need more food stamps, right? She's like, oh, so we thought we were on food stamps because you said we were, but we haven't received the money yet. Yeah, yeah. Which is not how food stamps work. You don't receive money. You, you receive you get food card. stamps. <laughs> and she's like, oh, so yes, there's a problem. Do you have more than one car? Oh, this is after. 
Oh, are those your kids in that picture? Yeah, those are my kids. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it starts with, oh, those are your kids? Oh, yeah, that's so-and-so-and-so-and-so and the twins, so-and-so. Oh, they're beautiful. We're going to name these characters that are never on screen but not me, a recurring yes, character. The, the recurring food stamps lady <laughs> has no name, but her children do. So then she's like, do you, do you have two cars? And she's like, well, no, because they repossessed my husband's car. She's like, but you have another one. She's like, yep. And they're like, and you own it? And she's like, oh, thank God. It's the one thing they can't take away from us. And she's like, well. She talks you... about it the way people talk about hope. I know, right? <laughs> Where they like wax poetical about like, they can take our, they can take our land, but they can't take our hope. <laughs> they can take our house, but they can't take our Dodge Caravan. <laughs> 2009 Dodge Caravan. This Honda Odyssey is in my heart. <laughs> And then she's like, oh, well, if you have a net worth of over $1,000, you don't qualify for food stamps at all. Which is not how food stamps work. It's blatantly false. And any, like, adult should know that. Anybody who's ever even looked into the concept of food stamps? Known someone who has had food stamps, which a typical person would. Like, I just mean, any person would, right? As a, unless you're like, I, it's an it, out it's of weird touch to me that person. there would be people who have not used food stamps, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. even living like middle class, yeah. most of my life. Although in Texas, we were always lower middle class, just barely, because Texas middle class is higher than some other places, yeah, because of the cost of living. But we still used food stamps sometimes growing up, like not a lot. Yeah, but there were times where we did that, and we did previously. Because, like, it, any normal yeah. person has experienced food stamps enough to know that that's not how they work. If you have a net worth of under $1,000, at that point, you should be on the street, basically. And well, if you the- have a net worth of under $1,000, $400 for groceries is insane. Is, well, that's. That does nothing. Yeah. Because you don't have a place to live. You don't have a place to put the groceries that you're buying. <laughs> you don't have a way to get to the groceries to buy them, much less to the place to get the food stamps. That's not how food stamps like, work. like, you can't have a car to get to the groceries that we will help you buy. <laughs> Which is her point. Then yeah. she's like, she's rants about, she has this, it's her moment where she rants about how the system is corrupt and it's made to push people down and keep them in poverty. When we, we say that the system helps people, uh, hardworking people make their way up in life, but when they, it pushes them down. Well, honestly, kind of beautiful if it were at all true. Screenwriter Georgia Johnson cracked his knuckles and was like, I'm about to go off. <laughs> I'm about to go in so hard on impoverished people. And then he just says some stuff, and you're like, whoa. Whoa. This economy. (laughs) In this economy? Ugh. Ugh. Yikes. Uh, And it's kind of like the thesis of the movie almost, until they like tack on like a Jesus meaning at the end. Honestly, the Jesus meaning was less of the point of the movie than the conservative. They hit it equally hard. They they did have like the music swells behind the yes, other one, yeah. so it, it tricked you into thinking that that one hit more. But like, in actuality, the amount of like time that they spent on the other one 
That's they, the that's they the don't point. talk about Jesus in any other scene except uh-huh. except mm-hmm. the one scene near the climax of the movie where it's like this is really oh. about Jesus. They talk about Wait. the economy from the very first line <laughs> of the movie until the very end. They are you're right. This is a movie about the economy. It's a movie about the economy, specifically Obama's economy. <laughs> this thanks uh, Obama. It's a thinking movie. It's you a think, thinking movie. You think it's a Jesus movie? It's actually an economy movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just we staring. skipped. We skipped the part where <laughs> they got cursed. They got cursed by Santa Claus. Or an angel or some guy. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that's like at the very beginning of the movie where he gives coins to Santa Claus outside of a grocery store. But he gives him like some dimes and pennies and stuff. And he's like, I'm going to keep that quarter. Yeah, he specifically is like, quarter, I need that. So then what Santa Claus says, though, is any any gift, however small, is good. That's his point. He's saying, oh. Thank you for giving even just a little bit. And then he's like, may your life be forever changed. It's so weird because the guy is saying, oh, thank you for giving even just a little bit. That that, that, that means something. Like you've taken the time to even right, yeah. give something so small, even if you didn't like give the quarter. Thank you. It's like the parable, right? But then... <laughs> And then he curses this guy. He's like, you're going to poison people. You're going to kill them. (laughs) (laughs) It's very contradictory the way he says it. And then what happens afterwards is like, oh, you're punishing this guy for doing something that you said was a good thing. Yeah, he's like, he says, thank you for your generosity. Even the smallest of gift can go a long way. Yeah. May your life be ever changed and he says the may your life be ever changed in like a weird like may your life be ever changed (laughs) (laughs) at at that point once you've given it to him you've been like right, dude chill out nobody stands around the Santa guy that long after giving change especially if they were only giving him money to get him to shut up which is what they were doing yeah like, he would have walked off before he could have heard him say that. So like, <laughs> yeah, the guy's walking away. is like, <laughs> any gift. <help. laughs> May your life be forever changed. Just that they're walking off in the distance. <laughs> Jack Baker's, like, getting in his car. He's like, what? <laughs> Is he still talking to me? Fuck. <laughs> Except for that they won't curse. They do not curse. Merry freaking Christmas. Yeah. And the mom, the mom has a line. That is very... She doesn't say frickin'. She says freaking. Stinkin'. Stinkin'. She says stinkin'. stinkin'. Aw. Merry stinkin' Christmas. It's so weird, because you you know what George Johnson was thinking. You know what? He had like a Samuel L. Jackson type line in his head. (laughs) He thought, this, this'll get him. He's like, this will be like the wow moment. Mm. They'll be like, ooh. Ooh, That hits different. Yeah. This should be hitting different, but without the shit. Mm-hmm. Because we don't we don't curse in this house. <laughs> this stink be hitting different. This, mm, this stink be hitting different. <laughs> um. Anyway, it just spirals. They get more and more like. 
<laughs> this, this podcast for the rest of it will just be a series of sighs that convey our thoughts on the movie. And then it was. <sighs> but then, so they get their electricity shut off. And he goes to the church. Oh, what? You, you're raising your finger. What is this? Yes. Okay. So eventually, they go to the church, right? Yeah. Then a little girl. This is later. This that's is to... That's later. Okay. But I need to bring it up now because it's on my mind and okay. I'll forget. A little girl comes up and is like, I made and sold crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I manufactured methamphetamine. <laughs> I started an opium den. <laughs> I sold my body on the streets. Nope, cut. Too far. <laughs> oh. She worked at she worked at the penguin place. Oh, no. Sorry, I apologize. Uh, uh. Anyway, John. Children can peddle drugs, but they can't. They can't go to Penguin Point. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway. Yes, that's where children go to die. <laughs> it's like, like Pleasure Island in Pinocchio. It's where they turn them into donkeys and they sell them. <laughs> um, no, so she, she says that she. She, she made a bunch of Christmas cards so that their family could have a nice Christmas because everyone knows that they're poor and their friends hate them for being poor. We didn't talk about his gay friends. His gay friends hate him for being poor. <laughs> his gay friends hate him for being poor. They, are, they aren't. We know that. But they were yeah. sitting next to each other at the table and they... They aren't. His, his wives don't say anything. They're both... They're, his friend's wives. No, one of them says, we're leaving. Yeah, his friend's wives don't say anything until they... <laughs> hear that they're uh they have a delinquent account on their uh answering machine and then the wife just stands up and goes we're leaving now um what's it called uh when there's a gay guy who has a like a straight girl who hangs out with them to like be his girlfriend so that like uh to like deflect you know like a beard but like for um uh yeah i don't remember the term but i know what you're talking about yeah um, um both of their wives are that for them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, that's uh, unrelated to the point. The friends hate them making. now. You were making a point about oh, yeah, yeah, the okay. girl. I don't remember no, no, no. what, Okay, you never got to it. No, no, you, you haven't heard it yet. You don't know. I'm going to hit you with a fact. Oh, boy. Um, I found on IMDb. I don't know. You might have seen this. You might have I read it. I didn't see anything about this. Oh, cool. All right. So the girl gives him a fat stack of all the cash she's been raking in from her Christmas cards that she's been making. Mm-hmm. From the methamphetamine that she's been peddling. Yeah. There's a 20 on the outside, so we know it's big. Big fat wad. Big fat wad. And on line, it said, this envelope that is being used to carry the money is the envelope. See what I did there? I switched from envelope to envelope. Congratulations. And we'll never know where you stand on the debate. Exactly. I'm a true centrist. I, I don't know. Okay, continue. <laughs> what about this envelope? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. 
Exactly. <laughs> um, that envelope is the same envelope that was used when George, a Johnson, was given money and real life so that his family could have a nice Christmas when he was going through all of these real things that actually happened. And it says on the envelope for the Johnson family. Interesting. And it was a little Easter egg that he put in there because George Johnson is a thinking man, as we all know. Mm. Yes. (laughs) Him and his action figures. I thought maybe that it said how much money it was supposed to be. No. No. This is just so that everyone knows it's real. He put that on online so that everyone knew how real this movie was. How it's from the real things that actually happened. The real things that actually happened to, to George a Johnson. George a Johnson Company. <laughs> it's the same joke. I'm just going to make it over and over. I know, but it's funny to me, and it will it's... always be funny to me. <laughs> just like, beautiful. Beautiful blue, a Johnson cup. (laughs) A Smythe Anderson company. (laughs) Which may contain hazardous chemicals. Open, do now inhale. (laughs) I just want to say if, if, if this is anything close to the actual story of what happened to him, he's a fucking moron. Uh, and he needs better friends. The, okay, so this is something... I feel a little bit weird about this episode because despite the fact that Georgia Johnson is an Emmy-winning director, um, it still feels... Like, okay, for other things where, like, we'll talk and, like, we'll run our mouths off about, like, how bad something was, right? Right, yeah. It feels like, okay, no one listens to this. We're punching up. It's fine, right? Right, yeah. But this, despite him being a director who, he made $25,000 at the box office, despite him, he lost $5,000. Right, yeah. But it still feels like punching down. (laughs) We're just beating up Georgia Johnson. Even though we know he would beat us up because he lifts so much weight. He's so buff. And he's a hockey player. He tried out for hockey. They they called him back. We called him back if it weren't for that darn injury. Uh, That vague, unspecified (laughs) injury. injury. It It wasn't an injury. It was a health concern. We don't even know that anything was actually wrong. He was at least concerned, though. Uh, <laughs> this Olympic training athlete. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really punching down. The dude, the dude got an Emmy for a music video, right? With two years band, ago, the Guess Who. They are a famous band. They are a famous band, but it doesn't seem like they should be. Uh, yes, especially that one guy. Let <laughs> 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 me look up his name. What is the drummer for the Guess Who? <laughs> It's like how the monkeys were made to be a band that rivaled um Gary Peterson. Gary Peterson. <laughs> uh it's like how the monkeys were made to be a band that rivaled the Beatles, right? 
Mm-hmm. They were just like ripping off their style and everything. And like they made some hits and stuff. It's the guess who is just ripping off the who in name and then everyone else and everything else about <laughs> everyone them. Everyone else and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't listen to the guess who. I'm just make. I'm just blowing smoke. I don't, I don't know. know. I only know the one song and it's because they play it at the 4th of July every year. <laughs> American woman. American woman. <sighs> okay. Anyway, he gets this money from this kid, right? And they have a nice little Christmas. They buy some gifts, and then the son, whose name I do not know. He is just the son. Is he named? I think he is, yeah. Is it Adam? I believe it is, yes. Adam Baker. Is that, a, is that someone of note? Is there someone named Adam Baker? I don't know. Maybe it's just generic enough. Uh, anyone named Baker? It's Troy Baker. Maybe that's something. I don't know. Mm, I don't see anybody named Adam Baker. Well, there's an author named Adam Baker. I don't know that author. Anyway. Me neither. Gosh, we've been talking for so long. I know. Is anyone still listening to this episode? Man, I don't remember like professionalism. We're going to do a thing now. And this shouldn't have been episode two of the new episodes. This is off the rails. Okay. So then, like, Santa Claus, who is also just a dude who goes to their church, and maybe an angel, we don't know, shows up, and he starts talking to Jack Baker about the money that he received from that girl, and then he's like, I realize, Jack Baker's like, I realize that I'm a failure, because that girl gave a greater gift than any gift that I have given into my life, accumulated, Accumulated, which is, okay, so the the wad of... 20, it's got a 20 on the outside, but we don't know what's on the inside of the squad. It's all ones. It's all ones. It's gotta be, right? They couldn't spend their budget on money. So like, and the wad isn't that thick, right? If it was all ones and a 20 on the outside. And it's folded too. It's It's folded in half. If it was all ones and and a 20 on the outside, it is at max $40. Yeah. There's no more than 20 ones in there. And you have to think, okay, so this girl's selling her cards, right? They're going to be going for cheap because they're cards and they're homemade cards too. So the 20 would be like a random fluke. Someone's like, I'm going to give a lot more because I want to help these people out. Most of it's going to be like change, like spare change, right? Just like ones and fives. Um, So it's not a whole lot. And he's saying it is the greater than the sum of all the gifts he has ever given added up. And you've seen some of the gifts that he's been given to his kids at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And you're like, there's no way that's true. There's like a montage of like motorized vehicles and like. Oh, the narrator has like a subtle burn where he's like, (laughs) Jack Baker won't tell you this, but he wants to do the best at everything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he makes his Christmas lights so nice. Um Oh, we skipped the scene of them playing outside in the styrofoam. Oh, yeah, the styrofoam. <laughs> they tried to make snow, and it's very clearly they, styrofoam. They filmed the movie in summer, and they were trying to make it look like winter outside, and it led to weird effects. So weird. <laughs> There's just too much to talk about in this movie, really. And it's so insanely bad. Everything yeah. is bad. Everything about this movie... It's, it's plot, bad. It's characters, bad. It's directing, bad. 
It's it's <laughs> cinematography, lighting, bad. Sound, editing, everything. Everything about it, bad. It's message, bad. <laughs> I'm not I'm not behind it. <laughs> the message is well, the message is muddled. I don't know what the message of this movie is. Well, that's kind of what I mean by yeah. bad. Like the message is is it it's See, twisted. Okay. See, so then he receives this money and they have a nice Christmas and they decide we don't need these gifts that we've bought with this money. We're going to give them to other people and we're going to leave our house and we're going to live out in the the tents. I don't know what that was. Um because it seems like that they're was like, supposed we're homeless, to be like a homeless commune, I think. But it doesn't look like it. It looks think, like a bunch of people camping in so a park. The idea, I think, was that that's like the homeless ministry that the church runs was like people living in tents out in the park. Okay. Anyway, well, they're living out there. I don't know. My dad used to make jokes that he was going to live in tents if he ever lost his job, and he meant it. So <laughs> someone would do that, and it was my dad. My dad would do that. Well, this is a true story, and lots of people do that. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> in tents that we could never have afforded even with my dad working at yeah, these a high nice level tents. job they were really nice tents <laughs> um, i watched it i got some tent envy not gonna lie <laughs> well that's the, that is weird i'm not even joking like mm-hmm. we did camping a lot and my parents no no did not yeah, buy new tents no like and for years all of these are homeless people i, I guess the they're given by the church or something i don't know i don't know the church said they made 72 dollars yeah, in there an was entire a, year. There's a throwaway scene about him going there, and they're like, no, the reason we collect money to give to the poor isn't because it gives a lot of money to the poor. It's so that we can teach giving. <laughs> um, Ridiculous. I fully think that dude was just skimming money off the top. He's like, <laughs> line in my pockets. Whoa, we only made um, $72, $72 this year. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> What? Don't flipping, ask about my Mercedes. Flipping stacks. <laughs> this dude's just like a televangelist. He's like, I have a private jet, but <laughs> <laughs> it's Jim Baker. <laughs> We're like, hey, Jim Baker. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, now, at, towards the end of the movie, they're living in this homeless commune, um, which... And it seems like idyllic and nice, you know? You're like, oh, the point of the movie is that the American dream of chasing money and achieving success that way is flawed and you need to find happiness where you are, no matter where it is. Right, yeah. It seems like it's going to be a nice ending that's like they found happiness with what they had. Uh, oh, we skipped the Jesus ending as well. We'll get back to the Jesus ending. We'll get back it's to not Jesus. as important as the capitalism. We'll find our way to God. Um, anyway. Because Jesus really was about building himself up from the ground up and becoming a great capitalist warrior. Anyway, continue. Jesus, famous fan of money. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, you were saying they're, they're, so they're then, in this like nice community and they're learning a great, valuable life lesson. Then this businessman from Puris shows up. The is, first not white person in the entire movie. <laughs> um, he fi- they finally they finally got someone of color in the movie, and they're like, "We're gonna track him down in his campsite. We're gonna find his tent, and we're gonna get him to be a marketing executive for Puris." <laughs> Puris found him after all these years. 
They got him. Fergie's going to go out of business. <laughs> Be- beautiful Bruno. He's going to go under. <laughs> Okay, but not a Johnson company. <laughs> it is before his children grow up because we see his children grow up after this. It, but it's been a while. It has been a while. Um, so they're they're there, and then he's like, he looks more like Adam Sandler than he has the entire he's movie. A little scruffy. He's got the cargo shorts. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, ah, even if you lose your job, if you're good enough at marketing, I guess, then. You can get your capitalist dreams fulfilled. You well, can it, fi- you can chase the shiny dream of American consumerism. Well, I don't understand. I don't understand when he realized he was going to be homeless and they like moved out. Why did he never go back to them in the first place? Because he already knew they wanted him. Yep, doesn't make sense. Um, I like the we skip the part where the narrator says this was the first time in George's life. I mean, in in Jack in Jack's life. I get him confused with the, the actual the, director. With the director, because you know Jack is a stand-in for the yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, "This was the first time in Jack's life that he had ever questioned chasing the shiny dream of American consumerism." Oh yeah, he says that. <laughs> he says that as they're leaving their house. That's like that's right. That's right before uh, the girl gives him the money. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. It's I, in I the hallway of the church. He's looking around at people smiling, and he's like, "Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah." He's like, "Ah, oh, life's not so bad even without money." And then he's like, "This is the first time that he'd ever thought of anything other than and consumerism." Then he gets money. <laughs> the, uh, the North American consumerism, and then he gets money and goes straight back to being a dick. And he's like, "I'm gonna buy presents." <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, uh, he, he lives in this homeless commune. They give him a job. It's like, so even if you're homeless for a little while, you can still get the American dream. It never dies. And then they make the lesson, like, his kids volunteer at, like, soup kitchens, I guess? I think the thing is that they're like, oh, because we were poor for a little bit, now we have basic human empathy. Well, and then they like they don't live in the suburbs anymore. They live in the city. Like that's kind of the thing. He had to relocate for his job, but they're like happy in the city. Oh, they also have that like thing where they like get scared of the homeless dude in the city. They get scared of him, then they give him half of their money. So- and the dude's like way too happy about it. Like I've never seen a homeless man be like that. It was twenty bucks, and he's like, "Bless you and your family, bless your children." <laughs> He hobbles off and does like a heel click. <laughs> the alley goblin. <laughs> he, he flies away like Peter Pan. <laughs> He's like, wee! <laughs> $20. Thank you, good sir. <laughs> $20. This will buy me a hat. <laughs> Which Could I have some gloves? <laughs> oh, yeah, the gloves. <laughs> this is going to be incoherent, Charles. You really have to watch the movie to know what we're talking about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the glove is a reference to, like, 
<laughs> we have to get into the Jesus scene. Oh, uh, the Jesus scene. <laughs> what I was saying, okay, right after he gets the money from the girl, he's talking to the Santa Claus guy that cursed him, who also like goes to their church and has been like stalking them or something. He keeps like talking about things that he shouldn't know about. Like he and knows like, about the dude in the alley and he knows his name when he's never told him. And like, although really, honestly, he shouldn't be surprised that he knows his name. He's the greeter at their church. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I didn't get that part. But like the idea is like, it's kind of creepy how much he knows about them. So then this guy starts like lecturing Jack about like, no, Jack, you're not a failure just because you have given no gifts greater than $40. <laughs> and then, then Jack is like, show me a winner who has ever let his family. What does he say? He, says, he doesn't who's say. Left, who's left them homeless, not for the holidays, at Christmas time is what he says. Homeless. Homeless. At Christmas time. And then the music starts swelling. And then the camera pans. It pans over. Slightly left. And they look. They follow the camera movement, which is so weird because neither of them say anything, but they both look. It's yeah. it's like a weird like fourth wall like well, he pushing looks. thing. First off-brand Colonel Sanders, Santa Claus, looks... <laughs> Confederate Colonel Santa Claus <laughs> looks looks over his shoulder and then the camera pans and then Jack follows the camera and sees a manger scene out in front of the church and then looks back and is like, it's different. He had his reasons. <laughs> he had reasons. And that that is the extent of Jesus. And Jesus's reasons were because, yeah, don't chase money and wealth and position. Right? It's that like the the savior of the world comes from like the lowliest of place. Right. Right? <laughs> like and he and he never like reaches like he never becomes a king in the way that they expect him to, right? Right, yeah. Well and, he quits he quits his successful job as a carpenter. <laughs> like I don't understand like And famously way. says, Thou shalt not serve God and money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which this movie tries to do. Yes, it does. It really does. It is It is like it's... Because that's the most that Jesus ever comes up. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's that's the only it time seems it's like, ever really hinted at. It seems like to me that George a Johnson yes. doesn't actually care about Christianity. Perhaps his gripe is just with the economy. This economy. And he just wanted to pander to a specific audience. So he made it into a Christian movie with the idea that maybe more people would see it that way. I honestly probably. Yeah. That feels right. Because like I said, that's literally the only time that Jesus is brought up. And they don't even say his name. (laughs) They don't say his name. Yeah. They never say it. They do say Christmas though, because you can say Christmas. Yeah, well, that's at the end. Yeah. <laughs> once he's now, once he becomes no longer poor uh, and has money again, he goes around giving people $100 bills and telling them, you can say Christmas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Although, there, I forgot to mention the guy from that comes up to them in their like little tent village mm-hmm. to give him his job mm-hmm. literally says, unironically, in this economy? <laughs> oh. 
and it's it's beautiful. Oh, it's dude. beautiful, dude. Oh, okay. So then, at this point, at the end, I don't know if I'm 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 moving all over the place. I don't know how well this you movie. Audio. The reason the reason it's so hard to follow the structure of this film is that this movie bounces around so much. It's hard to figure out where you are in the plot because they they have so many things that don't matter to the actual plot that it's hard to remember where in the story they landed. Yeah, like the grocery store scene could have landed anywhere. Yeah, literally anywhere. It could have been after they got food stamps. It could have been before they got food stamps. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. They could have made that scene anywhere. It could have been the first scene of the movie and it would have made as much sense. Yeah. The scene with the car salesman where he goes on about how he sold an 83-year-old widow a car that needed to be push-started could go anywhere because it doesn't fucking matter. As I said, this movie is an absurdist comedy about the economy. It's in a comedy. It's in a comedy. (laughs) In this a comedy? George Johnson is not a genre writer. (laughs) He invented the genre of a comedy. comedy. George A. Johnson made a comedy. Uh, was this before or after he auditioned? I mean, tried out for the hockey team? R-H-I? R-H-I. It's not like R-E-I. I don't know. That's their in-store hockey I team. I was thinking like it's D-H-L, you know? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So now he's got money again and doing real well. They, get, they give money to homeless people. That, There's a really awkward scene where he's with his 10-year-old son giving money to a homeless dude on a bench. Oh, yeah. And then it cuts to... It's on, like, their handshake. Then it cuts out, and then it's a different... It's a different dude, like, a much older guy, and he's very, very creepy looking. That's, so creepy looking. That's probably the best transition in the movie, though. It's normally, like, a page turn or, like, a right. wipe... Just like there's, there's they do like a scene, cross dissolve or something. There's one I don't scene know. where it pans up to the roof of yeah. their house. And it's just looking at the ceiling of their house. It's just a regular ceiling for about half a second. And yeah. then it just cuts to, it doesn't pan up to something else. It nope. just cuts to their house outside. They're like, we're going <laughs> to, uh, what was the cinematographer thinking? I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't. That's <laughs> clearly, clearly uh, not. Dude. I could have done better. And I... Uh, anyway. What has this Now they're like done? wealthy or something. And they live in the city and he works for Puri's and they go to the soup kitchen. And he's like, whoa, honey, you're too hot to be carrying all that stuff. Oh, yeah. He, he bumps into his wife and he says... Uh, a woman who a looks beautiful. As, a woman who looks as good as you deserves a clear walkway. Yeah, that's what he says. Deserves a clear walkway. Like, <laughs> because you are oof. beautiful, you deserve to be able to walk freely. <laughs> I have deemed it so. <laughs> a man. I, a man, have given you the right to have a clear walkway. You have been blessed with clear walkways. <laughs> Because of your gracious appearance, you have been blessed with the rights of a normal human being. I, Adam Sandler, have bestowed them (laughs) upon you. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then like uh there's there's a scene at the end that's setting it up for like a sequel <laughs> where Wesley comes back. Oh yeah. Oh Wesley, him and his oh, diabolical Wesley. plans. He walks out of a restaurant with like his fiance yes. who hates him. Understandably. <laughs> she she hates him. And then Because you know women. Women Women are always hating they, their husbands. They hate them. They hate them. That's why they married them. Well, and she's not even she's not even a wife yeah. yet. She's a fiance, and she says, I can't believe you're the man I'm going to marry. Uh, don't. <laughs> Take my advice. Don't. If Stop. you have that thought at any point during don't. your engagement period, I can't believe that I'm going to marry you. Don't. don't. <laughs> Unless it's like, I can't believe how lucky I am, but it didn't read that way. No, it, it was not that way. It was oh. 100% aghast oh. at how terrible of a person he was. And then Santa curses him. Yeah, Santa's like, you've been cursed. <laughs> and then the audience is supposed to go, oh boy, we get another one of these. <laughs> and the movie ends. That we, was the movie. We did it. Um, so we're going to rate it. We are. Uh, but before we rate it, the one last thing I want to do is I want to read you uh, some of the names of the characters. <laughs> oh, boy. Because um, oh, there boy. are some names, right? There are right? some names. There are some names, like Jack Baker and Cheryl Baker and Adam Baker and Michelle Baker, right? The Bakers. The Bakers. Baker's uh, we, dozen. We got Mr. Ferguson, uh-huh. uh, who Fergie? doesn't have a first name. He's just Mr. Ferguson or Fergie. Fergie is his first name. It's <laughs> Fergie his Fergie Ferguson. name. <laughs> um, Santa is just Santa slash greeter. He is, okay. Wesley has no last name. He's just Wesley. The supermarket oh. guy, you want to guess what his name is? Oh, no. Okay. Guess his name. Evil manager. Crazy supermarket manager. <laughs> Uh, there's a guy named Eddie, and I don't know who that is. Eddie. Oh, Eddie's the, uh, Eddie's the burger guy. Eddie. Eddie. Eddie the pimp. Because the, the girl chewing the bubble gum at the counter goes, Eddie, some guy wants to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is almost exactly how it's delivered. Uh-huh. Uh, rude guy in bathroom, played by none other than... George. A Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> yes. Um, car dealership manager. Uh-huh. Homeless man in park, in parentheses, as Rick Bobbler, played by Richard Rick Bobbler. Whoa. Sven? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nervous executive, played by Karen Johnson. No relation. Penguin point girl number four. Why did I list number four first? I don't know, but that is the first one. Uh-huh. Also, there are two Penguin Point Girl number twos played by two different people. Whoa. I wonder what happened. Did one of them have to like get fired and they like replaced her? I don't know. My guess is that he didn't number them by the people he casted, but numbered them by when they appear in the scene. So there's number one and number two, but then in the next scene, they appear in a different order. So it's number one and number two. <laughs> Because waitress, woman at cash register, news reporter, cash register kid, news reporter, homeless woman, pastor Jim, news reporter, news reporter, gas station attendant. They're not numbered. Angry woman, Shelby, Thanksgiving dinner guest. 
Waitress. Penguin Point Girl number two. Security guard. Who has a name, by the way. He does? He says his name. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, like they have a, like a brief moment. There's a brief moment where it's like, oh, you were a human and actually knew who the security guard was. It's like, oh, that's like the one moment to like make right. Jack like sympathetic mm-hmm. at all. But then he doesn't have a name. It's just security guard. Penguin Point Girl number two, again, homeless girl, homeless girl. I think Restaurant patron, homeless boy. Like none of these people have names. Well, okay. Have you noticed something so far? And that the only two women with names in this whole movie are in his family. And there are some like secondary male characters that have names. But I don't think Sven, Georgia Johnson, cares enough to name women. There is another woman with a name. And that's Shelby. And I don't know who Who is Shelby. I don't know. Wait, is she the food stamps lady? She might be the food stamps lady, but I have no idea because there's not a picture for the actress. Anyway. Uh, but yes, the, the the ladies that are like the friends don't have names. Uh, there's, are, well, there's a Miranda. Gay man wife number one. <laughs> there's, okay, there's a Shelby and a Miranda. So those are probably the... No, because there's Thanksgiving guest. Thanksgiving dinner guest. All of the... the the four people that are all just listed as Thanksgiving dinner guests. <laughs> They're the quadruple. <laughs> I I don't... Yeah, no, it's very confusing to me. Uh, most of these people don't have names. Also... Because they don't need them. It should be known that if you want to watch this movie, it is available for free on YouTube. It's also on Amazon Prime. The signs of a good movie. If it can be found in both of those places. Yes. You know it's gold. It's great. I guess, I don't know. Uh, Short Term 12 is on both of those. Well, I mean. Yeah. Some things. I just. eh. Yeah. All right. Time to rate it. Rate it. All right. So just uh, as a reminder, we rate it 0, 1, or 2, and then we add our score together. To make the final score, okay, uh, zero to four. And the way that we decide our ratings is zero, don't watch it. Two, I don't know, do what you want. One, do what you want. Yeah, yeah, one, do what you want. And then two, two watch this. Watch this, yeah. I know what I'm going to say. Yeah, okay, I think I do. It pains me, but I think I know what I have to say. Okay. One. I also give it a one. And that's not because I don't want you to watch it. I want you to go watch this. Whoever you are, stop what you're doing if and it's go your watch thing, this though. terrible movie. If you would really like to watch an awful movie. An awful movie about one man's uh, terrible opinions about the economy um, and, and a misunderstanding of how finances work. And if you like documentaries, you might enjoy this. <laughs> It's based on a true story. A crazy. About Sven. About Sven. A Johnson. <laughs> Sven, a Johnson company. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we're dumb. Um, the end. It's a two. Done. It's a two. Two. It's a two overall. That's a wrap.